Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Kidnor, founder of leading Australian podcast agency, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We get it, peers. As entrepreneurs, we want to make it all happen, and quickly. But sometimes, you realise you can't do everything yourself, and asking for help can be the necessary tool to reach farther than ever before. In today's episode, powered by Shopify, our guest, Lydia Liebman, founder of Lydia Liebman Promotions, shares how outsourcing some of her work and having to pay someone's wages forced her jazz-focused PR agency to up-level and how a scrappy, organic college idea turned into a fully-fledged business. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now Post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Lydia. Lydia. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor to to be here. Thank you. Of course. You know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work you're doing in kind of the music industry and jazz and the PR space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Well, I'm honored that you would uh, want to chat with me about all these all these crazy things. And um, thanks so much for having me, Michelle. It's an honor. Oh, of course, of course. Amazing. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So my name is Lydia Liebman, and I founded a, a boutique PR company in 2011, officially. So this is our 10-year anniversary. In fact, our 10-year anniversary, we're recording this in October, was just a couple weeks ago. So a uh, whole decade. And <laughs> yeah, and we are focused on primarily jazz music. Uh, we rep um, artists in the jazz genre. So we work with a lot of, you know, Grammy winners and Grammy nominees, and we even have some Tony winners and NAACP award nominees, you know, from all different levels. We've got people that are really well known, and then we have up and coming artists we work with. And um, yeah, I started this company 10 years ago, and it is uh, grown into something that I never thought it would. And um, here we are. So that's the short version. Here we are, 10 years. Oh my goodness, Lydia. When I was looking into it all, I was like, there's just something to say when you've been in business for 10 years and especially in what you do, like, oh, just a, just a chap. And I can't wait to dive a bit deeper into the business and, and all that you do. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, where did you grow up 
And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? I grew up in Pennsylvania. I grew up in the Pocono Mountains, which is about 90 minutes from New York City. And it's a pretty small, uh, relatively small town, but a lot of people from New York and other cities in Philadelphia kind of live there and commute. So it's not super isolated, uh, but it is kind of a small town kind of vibe. And I grew up there. Uh, my parents are actually both in the music industry too. They're both musicians and educators. So I was fortunate to grow up in a an environment that was really surrounded by music, but also where I grew up, there was like kind of a an art scene and you know there was a little jazz club, there were art galleries. So there was sort of that kind of you know, small town bohemian kind of feeling there. And so that was um, very impactful to me uh, because I was kind of in my own little microcosm as an only child with two parents that are jazz musicians, which is very specific. And I'm sure <laughs> you don't need to imagine that high school was not, you know, uh, the most... <laughs> the most um, positive experience for me. So I was, uh, I, I always kind of felt a bit of a relief that there was this sort of little arts community around me. And I would go to the jazz club there all the time. There was a local uh, month up, sorry, a yearly, an annual jazz festival that would take place every fall, which would be sort of like the centerpiece of the social event, you know, of my friends that were in this. So that was um, definitely helped kind of form you know, for me as a, as an artist and musician, which I was before I got into doing the business side of it. And it was just something I grew up around. So I'm really thankful to actually have grown up in the Poconos and not too far from New York City. So I was going back and forth a lot. And it was, um, really, it was a nice place to grow up. And I, I think back fondly of the Poconos and it's a good vibe and it's pretty. A lot of trees. Oh. Take a good vibe and it's, it's pretty. pretty. Like, <laughs> I mean, come on, that, that's all we need. Yeah. No, I think you know, I love that. I think that's so interesting. And I think you know, with your parents being musicians and jazz musicians, you know, was it almost expected of you to kind of get into the industry, or were they quite light on you and they just thought, you know, she'll go off and do what she wants to do? Like, what was that dynamic like? It was definitely the latter. My parents were very, you know, my parents are very supportive of everything that I've, I've done. And they were always really, I think, excited at the prospect of me doing something else because I had a lot of interests all across the board. I, you know, I love to write. I was really involved in, um, you know, like music therapy things when I was growing up. I used to do things at my local hospital. Like I was involved in a lot of different things. So music was really prominent, but it wasn't the only thing. And I actually ended up going to college initially for political communications. So I kind of had a, a different path carved out. And my parents were always very supportive of that. Um, I think in some ways they were relieved that I was doing something else. But then, you know, as things would, would have it, I eventually ended up just circling back around into what I know in a different way than what they have, have done and had done, which I think was a uh, kind of interesting to them. So it wasn't so much that I was expected to go into music, uh, but they were very supportive in everything I did. And of course, my dad and my mom would, you know, they, they wanted me to, to learn how to play piano. They pushed me to, to practice and to take voice lessons. And, you know, so it was definitely like in my life, but it wasn't expected. Oh, you're going to go into music and be a musician or be in the arts. It was something I, I definitely did find my own path there. And uh, it was not a linear path, <laughs> but I eventually got there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they were great. I mean, my parents, uh, very supportive and I'm, you know, grateful that they kind of gave me the space to, to kind of do my own thing. And, um, I'm really grateful to that. For those of us who, you know, we feel like we're just in that transition phase, you know, we're trying to figure out what it is we really want to be doing, you know, whether we're 30, 35, 20, you know, or, you know, just finishing off our degrees and, and all of that, you know, what advice would you give to us about being able to navigate through that uncertainty. You know, you said for you, you kind of circled back, you went off to start something and then you, you changed it up. You know, can you talk to us a little bit about how you navigated that path and then kind of what advice you would give to us? 
You know, I think one of the most important things someone can do is to keep their mind open. And the truth is, is so I, I'll backtrack a little. So I went to college in Boston. I went to Emerson College, which is a very, uh, it's almost a trade school for, for media in a way. And, um, it's really, you know, like Jay Leno went there and Bobby Brown went there. It, it's like a lot of industry people and people in, in Hollywood have gone there. And so people that go to Emerson, they go there with a really clear understanding of what it is they want to do. It's one of the things about Emerson, like you declare a major right away and it's kind of like, that's your thing. And what was interesting for me was I went in with this idea. I was going to do political communications and also a music uh, minor. I also went to Berkeley College of Music at the same time doing this like dual program. It was like a whole thing. So I was trying to kind of do these two worlds. And, you know, once I got to college and I saw all that was out there and I met all these people and I was on my own for the first time, I was like, wow, there is so much I didn't know. And so sometimes the idea that we have to have a a path for our lives, you know, before we're 20 years old is so crazy. And I, I think about, you know, my friends, some of my friends that went to Emerson with an idea of who they wanted to be, and then it wasn't for them and they ended up leaving. And it was really hard for them to kind of find themselves after the fact because they were so, and so ingrained that you had to know what you wanted to do. And um, I just don't think that that's really a, I don't know, for me, I, I didn't uh, really go into it that way. I kind of went with like a loose idea of, wanted to do, of what I wanted to do, but then I kind of just let things guide me. So for me, I think having an open mind and being present in where you are and seeing what's around you and soaking that all up is just so important. And that's really, I think, one of the overarching things, um, points of advice, I'd say, is to really just to have an open mind. And uh, I said yes to a lot of stuff, um, too, early on that I didn't have the, even the goods, I think, to back up me saying yes, but I, I did it because I knew that there was no other way for me to learn. Uh, so I think it's, you know, all goes into like going into things with open eyes and, and just being ready to, to rock, you know. Um, so I think that that's like kind of one perspective is really important because if you are, if you go in with a really like a really clear idea of what it is, sometimes you're going to miss everything around you that could lead you even faster to where you want to be. So it was a, yeah, it's been a, it's been a definitely a journey. Um, but that's one of the biggest things I would say is to go in there and open eyes. Open-eyed. How can we get better at surrendering to the process and just letting it guide you? How can we get better at that? It's hard. Um, it's so tough. for <laughs> so, so for me, hard. so hard. I, you know, for me, it was um, it's really interesting for me because when I so I obviously it's been ten years. I I always say. Uh, I kind of got into this business very organically. I didn't set out to start a jazz PR company. I I started it because I was out of school. I was at Berkeley and I was at Emerson and I had friends that were musicians and they had shows and nobody was there. And they were like, how, why is nobody here? I'm like, well, did you promote this? And they're like, how do you do that? And I didn't really know how to do that. But intuitively, I kind of was like, well, I assume we could make a poster. I guess we could invite people. I guess we could write to the local paper and, you know, see if they'll write about it. Like just sort of figuring it out as I went along. And uh, that was something that um, I'm very thankful that, again, that I have kind of the wherewithal to, to kind of go with it. But that's really what I had to do. Um, I just sort of sauce an opening and sort of just like let it guide me to where it went. So before I knew it, I was writing a press release. And I didn't even know what a press release was. I was just like doing it because I thought this is a way to like get the word out. And I was like, well, let me just like write down some facts about this show and send it to the, the newspaper, you know? So, and, and, and that was how it started. So it was kind of like just again, observing and watching and, and kind of just following along with where I could be useful. And then before I knew it, people were calling me to do things. And I was like, oh my gosh, have I started a business? Like, is this a, is this a side hustle? Is my gig? Like, what am I doing? Um, so the first five years, truly, I kind of felt was me winging it. Honestly, um, I had really big accounts. I had like Berkeley College of Music. I had gigs, you know, I did something at Carnegie Hall. Like I had a bunch of things going and I was like, I'm just going to keep winging this <laughs> until I get it together. And that was me like kind of surrendering to the process and just being like, all right, like, I'm just going to like let this guide me and see what happens. And then the last five years, I would say that, you know, of, of this decade I've been doing this has been a little bit, you know, well, it's been much more 
um, you know, much more driven. Once I realized I was okay at this and maybe this could be a career and I was like, okay, I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket and just do it. Then I really started to really, you know, make a plan and, and make concrete goals and you know, hire people and figure out how to really grow it in a realistic way. But it did take me some time to get there. I would say it took me about five years of just kind of like feeling it out and just trying um, until it kind of got there. So it's, um, it is a challenge, though. Certainly and every day is still a challenge all the time. It always is. I could not agree more. And I love that for you, it was just that organic feeling into it. You know, I think so many of us can get caught up in this idea of startup or I want to start something or I was, I just want to do something that's aligned to me, but I just don't even know what that is. You know, I love that for you, it was just so organic and that you were feeling your way through and that it wasn't perfect, you know, at what point for you in those early days did you feel like, okay, this is a thing now, you know, this isn't just like a, I'm doing this for a mate, I'm actually going to charge for this. And and I guess, you know, what headspace do we have to be in to figure that out for ourselves? Yeah. So for me, I, I would say that the first, there's been a couple of these little moments for me. I would say that probably the first one was, um, so I... I was hired by, uh, there was a, there's a program at Berkeley College of Music called the Berkeley Global Jazz Institute. And it's kind of like this elite honors program, you could say, of musicians. And these, you know, kids are insanely talented and they are all over. They get to go to Dominican Republic, they get to go to Panama, they get to go to Italy. Like they're doing, you know, tours that adult musicians, you know, well-known musicians do. And so it was kind of a, a high level thing. And, they had seen me doing some work for, for friends and, and students and stuff. And they were like, Hey, do you want to like just come on board and help publicize our shows? And I was like, Oh, sure. Okay. So I'll give my, give a shot at this. And that was the first time that I was actually paid like more than $50, you know, to do something. And I was like, Oh my goodness. So I was like, all right. That was a moment where I said, this is something I need to take seriously. And I really need to learn the ropes if I'm going to be doing this for like a real thing. <laughs> this is not just my friend, my dorm, you know, who lives in my dorm. Like this is like a, a you know world renowned conservatory. I cannot screw this up. So that was kind of my first wake up call, like, ooh, okay, so I need to get it together. <laughs> um and that was around 2012, 2013 or so. And I kind of started in 2011. So it took me, you know, I'm telling you two years, two, three years of doing stuff for hundred dollars here, 50 bucks here, you know. Uh, so that was the first one. Then um, after that, the next big moment for me was I moved to New York, uh, graduated college in 2014, and I moved to New York uh, that that fall. And I was in a really weird position because I was like, what am I going to do? Am I going to keep doing this or am I going to find a job? I applied to so many jobs. I got zero feedback. And I'm talking like I applied to things in because I, I at the same time had also been like editor of a, a tr very small trade publication. So I had some, you know, writing experience. I had a lot of radio experience. I had a whole thing where I had a bunch of, you know, four years managing a radio station. I had interned at Sirius Radio. I had all these things. And I still was not getting anything. I applied for jobs, like marketing jobs at jazz clubs in New York. And they were like, no, like you don't have enough experience. Oh. And so, so I was kind of in this, so I was in this really weird spot for a while where I was like, what am I doing? Like, Am I going to go for this or am I just going to kind of like I don't really have a choice. So what kind of floated me was I was writing for a publication and I, you know, I was able to sort of do that while still doing, you know, starting to pick up work in the PR thing in New York. And then my husband is a musician, but, you know, he we were not married at the time and he was, you know, also hustling like the two of us were hustling hard and. You know, we're living in New York City and my parents had to definitely like help me out, you know, the first year or two, like, cause it's impossible to live here without it. And that was hard. So those couple of years was really a kind of a weird transition. And then five years ago, exactly actually to the day, cause it popped up on my Facebook notifications. Oh. I, um, I had signed uh, a client called the Baylor Project and it's made up of Marcus and Jean Baylor. Um, they are a husband and wife jazz kind of a soulful duo and band. And they had approached me about hiring me. And then we entered into a business relationship and I still work with them to this day. And that was kind of the turning point for me where I was like, okay, 
I am now going to sign on with these people who have a big plan. They have a multi-month plan and this is going to be an investment of my time. And I was like, this is the moment where I said, okay, I'm going to do this and screw the other stuff. And that was kind of when I went all in. But um, the roundabout is a roundabout answer to your question. But it's I think all these things are important because it was such a development to get there. And you say, what's the headspace to get there where you are all in? It took me about five years to get into that headspace where I felt confident enough to say, yeah, I'm going to do this. So that was kind of, um, I would say it was those two moments. And then since then, there's been some other things, I mean, that have come up that have just sort of, uh, what's the word? They have um, kind of just affirmed that I made the right choice. And that was my first Grammy nominations, first Grammy wins, Forbes. You know, these are things that happened that made me say, okay, 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 I'm still doing the right thing. And I still have to be reminded like all the time that I'm doing the right thing, which is insane. Uh, but I wonder if that will ever go away. I don't know. But but yeah, it's been a real, real process. I love, thank you for sharing that with us. Honestly, I want to deep dive into that tough first couple of years, the move Mm -hmm. to New York, because I think this is something that we don't talk about enough. You know, we definitely talk about, about it a lot on this show, the early days, the hard yards, but, you know, take us back. So, you know, it's you're young, you headed to New York, you had this like a desire to do something, but you were still in two minds about what you were actually going to do. You're applying for these jobs and just no one is taking you. Like that is a frustration in and of itself. Nobody, no, not even, not, not even an interview. I think I got one interview with a classical radio station. I was like, what? what? I, I, which I applied to on a whim. And I was like, wait, classical. I was like, I don't know anything about classical music. Like, and none of the jazz stations got back to me. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is happening? So yeah. How do we, you know, take us back to that time? You know, how did you get through it and keep going for two, three years when, you know, your parents are supporting you, you're living in a big city, you're trying to hustle, nothing's working. How do we keep going? when we feel like nothing's sticking? Yeah, it is. It's difficult. And and I'll say too that, you know, I was in kind of a, my position was interesting because yes, I was finding my way. um, But I also, thankfully, I had connections here because I didn't grow up too far from here. So for me, it wasn't even so ground zero and it was still really hard. I would actually even say, you know, my, my, my husband is not the one interviewed, but he's a musician and he works with me now in my company in addition to what he does as a musician. And, you know, he, he actually could probably speak to this more as a musician in New York, how it took him, you know, I mean, it was really, really hard in the beginning for us to get our bearings, you know, um, it's just difficult. I would say what really kept me going was the idea and like the thought that I, I just believed it would get better, if that makes sense. Like I, I sort of just have this, um, it's almost a naivete, almost maybe, where I just have this thing where I think I, I just don't like to dwell on the negativity of things. I am very, uh, always trying to think in a positive headspace. And I know that can sound really like woo woo or whatever, but I think, it, I think an attitude and perspective is so essential because it's how you see around you and how you see the world. So certain opportunities that might come to you, if you're not in the right headspace for it, you could say, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to work with that person. I don't know anything about that. Or you could say, hmm, well, I can maybe like learn something from this person. Or maybe I could learn something I don't know if I take this, you know, and you have to kind of be like in that mindset, I think at least, um, to get the most out of those opportunities. So for those couple of years, I said yes to a lot of stuff. I said yes to things that maybe, you know, again, that I wasn't probably equipped to do. I said yes to things I didn't really like. I, you know, I said yes to things that were too time consuming and paid too little. I mean, these are not things I recommend everyone does, but, but I did them. And yeah. And for me, it was important to do that because I, I always had something to look forward to because I just always kept putting stuff in my calendar. And I think that that's kind of the thing is to stay busy and focused. So it was like, all right, I'm going to take like these little, little jobs and I'm just going to keep taking them so that I don't have enough time to like dwell on how hard this is. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's like you, you keep having something to look forward to. You, you, you have to do that. So I was constantly overbooking my schedule. I was constantly taking on too many things, but that is really what got me through it. Um, because it was really hard. And there were some days like, Oh my goodness. I mean, days where I was just like, what am I doing? 
I mean, I would walk by a bodega and be like, I should buy a lottery ticket because I don't know if I'm going to ever make money. I mean, yeah. I swear to God, yeah. like, yeah. like I, I mean, when you're like 23 and like, you have no idea what you're doing, like every year you feel like your life is, and it's, it was very stressful. So, so that was what, um, what kept me going is really just making sure that I always had something to do. And nothing was below me. <laughs> like, 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 like a college student who has nothing to do. I was like, I will give me your record. I will, I will rep that. You know, you have one, you can play a kind of play. I, I got you. Like, we'll, we'll make it happen. Um, yeah, that's what I did a lot in the beginning. I love it. I love it. And just your, your energy and zest. I mean, it's still there now, you know, but I think even in the early days, that positive mindset, I think that is just for me, that personally resonates, you know, having just come out of the first kind of four years in, in my business and, you know, those first two and a half, three years, you just are wondering what you're doing and, and, you know, if this will ever work out for you, that deeply resonates with me. And I'm sure a lot of our peers out there listening yeah, it was uh, it was quite a thing. Um, positivity is, I will say that having a positive mindset, not like a to the point where you're delusional, <laughs> but having a, a grounded, positive outlook, I think is just so important. Where do you think that came from for you? You know, it's interesting because I wouldn't particularly say um, my parents are very realistic people. They're not negative people by any means. They're extremely positive and helpful and supportive. But my, my parents are grounded in reality and they were never like blowing smoke, you know, be like, you're so great. You're this, you're that. Like it was not, that was not how I, you know, it, that's, I didn't grow up with like a rose colored, you know, um, ill conceived image of who I was in their eyes. I mean, again, as an only child, you know, your only reference point a lot of the time when you don't have like a lot of friends because you're in a jazz position, no one gets that, is your parents. So I, I was surrounded by them, you know, and, and, uh, that was my, like my, my, my folks for a while, my people, you know, and, um, so I, I obviously got a lot from them, but I think that the thing is, is that my, my mom was always is and continues to be, um, how do I put this? Like she really has a, has a good look. Like she, she can kind of just, perceive things really fast and she can kind of read people quickly. And I think that that kind of brought passed down to me a bit where I have kind of taken that too. Um, and my parents are both people, people, cause they're in this business too. So that socialization part kind of came from them too, where I felt comfortable dealing with people and being nice to people. And like, you know, I don't mind other people's company and obviously NPR, that's extremely important. So I think I got a lot from them, but, um, a lot of it, though, too, is just kind of like the way that I, I think about stuff. Um, I really don't like to dwell on sadness. <laughs> I don't like to dwell on anger or things like that. I, I don't know. It doesn't help me. It's like I try to think about things that will help me. Like I just I'm constantly trying to make my business better. So it's like if I'm thinking sad <laughs> or I'm feeling very negative, or I'm feeling a certain way. I don't see how that, that helps me um, be in the headspace I need to be to like serve the clients I work with. So I think it's just a combination of factors, but that's a good question. And I clearly need to, I need to go to therapy again and figure out where, because I'd love to know. <laughs> Actually, I would like to know where I think it's true. It's, I don't know. Isn't that funny? I mean, you know, this is the process, isn't it? We're all just learning every day about ourselves. It's like, oh, how did I? Yeah. How am I this way? Yeah. And I've been thinking about it too a lot lately because I've been, this year has been a really crazy year for me. I've had, um, my business has had a real turning point, I felt this year. And where uh, we've picked up so many just new projects and new clients, like things have really, I feel like this year has been a big transitional year in a lot of really great ways. Um, but it's also really scary because growth is scary and managing that balance between growth and how to grow fast, but not too fast. And, you know, the pressure that you're under as the person in charge of it all is seriously crazy. It's a lot. And lately it's been, I've been really actually thinking quite a bit, like how, how do I deal with this the best way? And I've been trying to trace back, like, how did I deal with these situations five years ago when I felt like things that now I'm like, oh, my God, I could totally do that at the time were a huge deal. So it's like, how did I deal with that then? And I'm trying to like channel it into it now. There's like, it's in the whole thing. Oh, I love it. I love it. I want to talk a little bit about 
the second half. So, you know, we spoke about the early days and the hustle and the grind and the, and the struggle of it all. But, you know, you said at year five, there was that turning point, you know, five years ago today, the Facebook post reminded you. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the last five years, that transition from kind of just side hustle to this is a full-blown business and there is, you know, a strategy in place or, or whatnot. And and then in particularly the last year and how you navigated that and everything you're, you just mentioned and you're dealing with now. Yeah. So I think that when I signed the Baylor Project as a client, I had other clients at the time too, but they were the ones that really put me into that headspace of, okay, we need to get this together. I mean, they ended up getting two Grammy nominations um, from that album we worked and they're independent artists. Like it was really a whirlwind and really incredible because it was my first time working long-term with an artist for a year plus, you know, and, and now, into now. So for that, um, that was kind of, yeah, that was the turning point where I was like, I got to get my, my life together. So one of the things I did was I realized I cannot do everything myself. And I think that this is something that is a really big, a hard pill to swallow for entrepreneurs or people that start their own business is to hand the reins or not completely, but hand part of the reins to someone else so that you are not the only person in charge of everything. And that like coming to that realization, like I need help was really hard, but so important. And so my first step on within that you know, realm was I hired at the time an intern who came to me by, you know, by chance. She was from, um, from Ireland and she had a visa to be here and it, it worked out that she was able to be here for two years. And that was the first thing where I was like, okay, so now I have someone who can help me, but not only that, but who's also like relying on me for them to, you know, eventually to be working here. So that kind of automatically clicks you into the headspace of, oh, okay, so this is a real deal now. This is not just like me, you know, hanging out in my room, writing uh, stuff on the internet. You know, this is like the real thing. So hiring someone was the first step where I was like, ooh, okay, so like this is the thing. Um, so that really helped. And then once you have one, you know, you, you know how to do it. You can bring on more people. Now managing people and being a boss and all that is a whole other thing um, that you have to learn. And, and I'm certainly not perfect in that regard, but I think that I'm okay at it. It took a lot of time on how to be a manager and all that. Um, but that was like the first thing. Um, and then kind of just as, as things started to just continue, it's what I said before with like projects keep coming up. So as they keep coming, you just keep booking them. And then before you know it, you're like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm doing this all the time. Like I am, this is my gig. Um, so once I just sort of realized like, this is it, I was just, that was it. I, I, I don't know how to articulate it better than flip switched in my head where it became, okay, I have to make a living doing this. So I am going to put my, all of my efforts into doing this. And you just have to tell yourself that it's the most important thing. The other part that's really been helpful, like I have a very supportive partner. Like we got, you know, we've been married for three years. We've been together for over 10. Like I am so thankful that he has been, you know, he understands like I am doing this. I am not, you know, I, 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 I we've had to make sacrifices ourselves, you know, about where to live and, um, you know, like the idea of having kids, like all these things are things that I, we, we've discussed and we are all in agreement that, okay, like, we have to make sacrifices and do things because this business and growing this is the priority right now. So that's how we kind of like have built, built our lives during the beginning. Um, so having someone though, who's on your same wavelength with that. So helpful. Um, thank goodness. And, um, and then I guess the last year, how I've been navigating all that. I don't even know, man. I, <laughs> Who we I'll tell you, yeah. no, I, I'll tell you, um, Something that really jumpstarted a lot was last December. So obviously, the, as you know, the, the Forbes 30 under 30 list came out and I was like beyond, like it was kind of insane, like beyond, insane. like got it. I just couldn't believe that we, I was there. I was like, I, it's just the, what, the, what? <laughs> so that happens. And that, of course, kind of shifted a lot of things where suddenly, you know, a lot of, ten, a lot of attention that PR people don't usually get on themselves was suddenly coming to me. So I had to figure out how to navigate that smartly and how to use that to be beneficial to my clients. You know, how do I turn this all to make the business grow from it? Um, and that has been a real challenge because that's stuff that like you don't know until you're in it. 
Um, and I guess for me, what's been really important is just to keep a clear head. Um, now, these days, I don't say yes to everything by any means. And now, now that I'm past, that's the difference between the first five years and then these five years. First five years is me saying yes to a lot, you know, trying my, my hand at things that I, just to try it out to see what I liked and how I did. These five years, especially the last year, has been me really perfecting what I'm good at. So one thing is like, a couple years ago, I would maybe get an offer to work with an artist who was maybe not in the genre that I specialize in, but maybe a little bit, kind of, like sort of, but not quite. I would be much more inclined five years ago to be like, yeah, sure, I can totally take that. Let me see what I can do. Now, it's like, I really know my strengths. I really know what market I invest in. I know what my universe around me that I work with likes to get from me as a publicist. So it's like, I know better than to take things just to experiment with them because I don't have time to do that anymore. So that's really, I think, what this half of the career has been, has been focusing on and really refining um, the skills that I already have and really honing in on it. So that's also been a big part. It's like honing in on what it is I'm good at, what do I want to do, and now saying no to the things that don't fulfill me or that I don't think I'm good at. Roundabout long answer to your question. I hope it helps. <laughs> I love it, Lydia, honestly. that I'm just sitting here nodding along. You guys can't see me, but I'm just so into this. A question I've got on that is how do we get clear on the things we're really good at and then lean into that? It's a great question. I think so much of it, well, a lot of it is how you feel doing it. I think it all has to start with with us and with, with the person. If you don't feel comfortable or don't like something that you're doing, I think that that's already a red flag that maybe it's not something you should be doing. Now, you can still be good at things that you don't like. Obviously, of course, you have to be because you can't do everything you like all the time. That's life. <laughs> but when it comes to focusing and making decisions and choices on what you want to take and what you want to do, I think that you first have to really feel it. So for me, uh, when I'm offered to take an artist, I have to really like, like really like it. Now, do I, I have to love everything. It's impossible to love every single thing that you do, but you have to at least really like it and feel strongly about it. So that's how I, you know, decide what artists I'm going to take. That's how I kind of feel about all the things, you know, like, do I feel happy doing this? Do I feel fulfilled doing this? Um, so that's the first part. And if the answer is yes, then it's like, continuing to do those things and seeing now what the reaction is from the people you're doing it with. What's the feedback? Are you doing it well? Are they hiring you again? What are, you know, asking them straight up, like, Hey, how, you know, how, how did you feel about how this campaign went? Or, um, please, I want to hear your feedback on this press release I wrote. You know, I, I want to know how you, you know, what you think, if you like it and asking journalists, Hey, how do you, how do you like how I service that? I mean, I know these things sound so like, you know, little things, but I did a lot of that in the beginning, just asking questions. Um, Cause that's how you kind of find out what you're good at by people's reaction to what you're doing and then how you feel doing it. So that's, that's one of the things to find out. Um, and the other things is like, you really don't know if you like something until you try it. So again, that kind of goes back to the beginning where I was like, well, I'm going to say yes to a lot of things because you don't really know where you're going to, what's, what's going to come back around or like what you're going to like to do. And uh, there's been a lot of things in my career and in my life that have come back around, like things that I never would have thought, would, you know, were just little things that happened, you know, little campaigns I worked or places I was, or even speaking engagements I did that I was like, no, like, cool, great. On to the next one. But then a couple of years later, things come back around from that. And you're like, oh, wow, that was great that I did that. I'm so glad. Um, so that's kind of, you know, how things, I think they kind of reveal themselves, what you're good at just by life. Love that. Yes. Oh, Lydia, we could talk for days, but I am so mindful of your time. So I've got a couple of final questions for you. And the first one is, what has been your greatest failure and win to date? I would say I'll start with the, uh, I'll start with the win, I guess, or the good thing. I kind of feel like the entire trajectory of my career thus far has been, has been pretty pretty incredible in a way because there aren't many people that do what I do at in the position I'm in like there aren't many first of all many women around my age that are in this particular sect of the music industry I mean there's a lot of female publicists there's a, a lot of female jazz publicists that are great um but I I don't know many in jazz specifically that are like close to my age uh so that has been a really interesting combination um so I think the fact that I've you know been able to 
to do this has been just overall something that, you know, I'm proud of it. Like we're, you know, I'm like living in New York City, like we're making it happen, you know, and I'm, I'm really like, it's thrilling to me. Um, a more specific example. I mean, I, I will say like the first time that I, one of my clients, you know, got nominated for a Grammy. And then the first time when a client won and like I, the, the artist like thanked me on stage and I lost it because I, it was just so amazing to hear my name in that, in that situation. I was like, Oh my God, like, wow, this is like, this is it. I was like, this is it. Like we made it. This is, like we, we, we've are a real, I'm a real publicist now. Finally. <laughs> like, like that was the moment where I was like, yay, like we yay. did it. Um, so that validation was really incredible to me. And that was something I was really proud of, but to be honest, anytime an artist who is up and coming and young um, and maybe just getting their feet wet starts to get any type of, of notice and they start to get press and, you know, they start to get better bookings and their career starts to develop. And if, to know that we've played a little bit of a role in that is really, 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 it just makes me feel like just really amazing. I mean, that's really why I do it. I, I love that feeling when an artist or a musician is getting the props that they deserve and to feel that we've had something to do with that's great. Um there's many things that I, I'm happy about, uh, but failures, I mean, there's plenty. Um, I would say a lot of it actually comes down to a lot of it is interpersonal stuff, like time management, finding a balance, work-life balance. I do not think that I am the best at work-life balance. I'm constantly working. I was up till 5 a.m. working last night. Like, that's not good. Like, I shouldn't be doing that, you know? And um, that is the hardest thing. It's a constant battle of finding the balance and also to get to the point where you're like, not so stressed out that you're starting to dislike your job. And sometimes I have to like check myself and be like, man, I feel so anxious about X, Y, Z I need to do. It's starting to take the joy out of what I'm doing. And that is something I'm really conscious of. So particularly in this period where it's been very intense with a lot going on, I've been really, especially with the pandemic and all these things, like I've been really trying to, to make sure I don't lose the joy in what I do. And when I kind of feel that I'm starting to get more on this side than this side, I, I start to, I, I, I like, I have to pull it back. And, um, one of the things, you know, I don't know if this would be helpful to anyone who's, who's listening, but one of the hardest things actually that I had to do just came up where I was offered the opportunity to, opportunity to do PR for, um, a pretty big uh, thing here in New York, a big jazz festival that happens every year. It's a huge deal. It's a, one of the biggest ones, you know, and something I would love to do like so much. And I was ready to say yes. And then I was thinking, like, what do I have on the agenda between now and then? And how wise is it for me to add one more thing as much as I want to do this? And I ended up saying no. And it hurt me to have to do that. So I was like, what an opportunity I'm losing here. This sucks. But then I was thinking to myself, but wait, like, I don't need to say yes to everything. I don't need to run myself ragged. Like, there was a time for everything. And so being able to realize that, even if it's something you really want to do, if the timing isn't right or something in you is like, I don't know if I should do this because my own mental health is kind of at stake. That was a, a moment of maturity for me where I was like, okay, I guess I'm becoming an adult. I was like, I was like, all right, I'm going to let this one go because I don't think that it would be smart for me to do it because I think I'm already too bogged down. And um, that that's all part of growth, you know, saying no to things sometimes when they're just not right for you. Um because you know that if you take anything else, it's going to be too overwhelming as like the sole, you know, person to do it. I mean, you're on your own. There's no one else above me. So it's like, I am, it's the buck stops with me. So it's like, if I'm not in the right state and if I'm not cool, then we're all screwed because <laughs> so, it, you know, for all my, like, as, as in like the people that work for me and, and my clients, like we're all going to be messed up if I'm not in the right space. So that's been the biggest challenge has been getting my stuff straight and staying in the right headspace and not getting too overwhelmed and not getting too bogged down um, and learning how to do that work-life balance. That has been, that's been hard and I don't always succeed on it. So it's something I'm working with all the time. I hear you. I hear you resonate deeply. <laughs> Look, Lydia, over the last 10 years in business and in what you, in your career, you've really gone from strength to strength. You know, you've received so much recognition for your work, both external and internal. And obviously, most notably, recently you were featured on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? I would say... <laughs> Fake it until you make it, first of all. <laughs> um, and what I mean by that is 
I think that you have to believe in yourself first before anyone else will believe in you. And even if you don't truly believe in yourself and you're, st- you're, you're doubting and not sure, I think that if you put out the energy that you know what you're doing and that you, you believe in it and you're confident in it, I think that that kind of translates to others. And that helps kind of, if you feel confident about it and you have conviction in what you're saying, then other people will, by default, feel that way too. They'll be like, oh, she seems like she knows what she's doing. I trust her. Now you have to follow through on it and know, you know, and, and be cool, which I, you know, obviously, but I, if you go in with kind of like, well, I, I, I kind of think that maybe we could do it like this. Like I have this idea. It might be dumb. Like that already sets you because they're going to be questioning, like, why is she questioning herself? So I think it's kind of being confident from the get, from the get go. Um, take it till you make it straight up. It's <laughs> kind of how I put it. Um, so that's the, that's really the big thing. Um, that's one piece of advice. Another one is to be kind. And it sounds basic, but um, being nice to everybody that you can be kind. Be there's. I don't think that an attitude, or I don't think that having a certain, you know, no, like I, I don't know. I I just think that being kind to people, being nice to people, goes a long way. Being polite and. Just, you never know what's going to come back around. So from a business perspective, I mean, just they take the humanity out of it. It's just not wise to not be nice to people because like those people will show up later and you're going to, they'll remember that you were rude or that you weren't helpful or that you were a certain way. So I think being kind and being a warm person and having an ear for people and just being, uh, just being polite. I know it sounds crazy, but it is something that I like, I, I deal with this all the time where I'm like, gosh, like, why? So why are you being that way? Like, there's no reason. Um, so I think being kind is a very important thing. Um, and then I guess a third piece of advice, as, as I mentioned before, but it's so important is to just keep your options open and to always be willing to learn and keep your eyes and ears open. Um, there are so many opportunities that came my way that I didn't really set out to get. They just happened to be there because of the way I went in. I, I went in with a, with an open mind. Um, so I, I think that it's just important to always keep your options open and, you know, to just always be be looking around, be listening, be talking to people, hear what other people say, and really listen when you talk to people. Like, really listen to what they're telling you because you'll learn something. I try to absorb everything people say, and I do a terrible job at it now because my brain is so bogged with stuff. But when I was younger, I really listened to what everyone said, and I did things that were not in music at all. I did things in education. I did things like things that had nothing to do with it because those experiences all inform how I run my business. So that is so important. Um, but yeah, those are a couple of the things. Um, just be yourself too, you know? You gotta love it. So you gotta love it. If you don't you love, it, love it. <laughs> yeah, if I you don't agree. if you don't love what you're doing, it's like you know, we're doing this. Like, I, I don't know what else I'd be doing with my life. Like, I now have this business. Like, I think I'll probably be running, you know, working for myself for the rest of my life, I would assume, more or less. So I have to really like doing that, you know? And if you don't like that, and if you don't like the responsibility, like, and it's not for you, that is totally cool. So you just have to be like, hey, maybe this isn't for me. And that's fine, you know? So I think that's a real big part of it, too. That was four pieces of advice. But they all kind of go together. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. So great. Look, Lydia, I want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us and particularly us young, ambitious women that if we have that goal, that vision and that dream, we actually can turn that into reality and into our full-time gig. It's not impossible, although it may be a lot of hard work. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you, Michelle. It's really an honor to talk with you. And I think that these platforms are so important because I, when I was growing up, like I didn't have, uh, there wasn't this, like there wasn't podcasts, you know, there, there wasn't, I mean, I, I there, there wasn't a lot of, um, it wasn't so accessible. And sometimes even these days, like I'll be on a walk or I'll be listening to, you know, whatever, and I'll hear an interview with someone and I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I resonate with what they're saying so much. And it really, it really helps me kind of figure out my own thoughts. I, it's been these types of conversations and these types of programs and podcasts have been really, really instrumental to me keeping my head on straight, honestly. So, uh, props to you for, for giving it and for the platform because it's really helpful for people. I, it really is. Oh, I appreciate you. I appreciate <laughs> you. Truth. 
And the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, and that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? There is nothing more fulfilling. Like, it's just, it is, when you pursue something that you're passionate about and that you love doing, it just makes your days more full. I mean, it makes you feel so good. I, I, I love, like, even on the days where I want to rip my hair out, like, I, I genuinely love, I love what I do. And I, you know, I love it so much. And I feel so strongly about it, that even the days where it's so hard, I'm still, I still love it. And I think that that is something that just can't be, can't be beat. You know, it just can't be beat to wake up in the morning and be, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm so overwhelmed. Like, I, I can't believe like, I have like 800 emails to answer. But like, it's also been like, but wait, like, what else would I rather be doing? You know, and that's something I have to always remind myself too. Like I, I do this because I love it. And um, even when the days are really hard and I'm like, wow, what did I get myself into? I also thinking those days, but what else would I be into? Because this is what I feel so strongly about. So there's really no, you, you really just don't have a bad day when you really are passionate about something you're doing. So I just say, go for it. Cause you know, life is, is not life is short and you got to just take it and enjoy it. So yeah, I hope that um, everyone who's listening, you know, like if they're on the fence about what they should do, follow your dreams. I know it sounds cliche, but it's so true. It really makes a difference. <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> so true. Oh, such a great end to the conversation. Lydia, thank you so much. We've had an absolute blast. What you're doing is so awesome. Of course. And where can people learn more about you and Lydia Liebman Promotions? Yeah, if you would like to know more (laughs) more about Lydia Liebman Promotions, um, I am online at LydiaLiebman.com, LydiaLiebmanPromotions.com. They go to the same place. Uh, We're also on Instagram. Lydia Lee Promotions there, uh, Facebook, the same thing. And um, I am very much online, so you'll see all the things. But um, yeah, you can find me on the internet. And I'd love to talk to other people like about jazz. So hit, hit me up if you want to hear about jazz. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Perfect. We will link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. Thank it's you. Been so amazing. Hey. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast powered by Shopify. Remember, peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest beer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.